Welcome to episode three of the Sideline Junkies podcast. If you haven't already, go ahead and give us a follow and a like on our social media pages. Links for all of our social media pages will be listed in the description of the video. Your host for today's podcast is Matt Turner, and I am Alec Williams, and I will be filling in for the, as a co-host for Todd today. We have a great show planned for today, so let's go ahead and get started by introducing our first guest on the podcast. Our first guest on the show is a four-time district champion, a two-time three-region champion, and has a coaching record of 131 wins and 42 losses in six seasons as a head coach. The schools where our guest has coached are Louisville Moore for one season where he won the 23rd district championship, Taylor County for three seasons as he won three 20th district championships and two fifth region championships. He then moved to prep school side of basketball and coached 22 Feet Academy in Greenville, South Carolina for one season before taking two years off from coaching. Our guest started coaching again last season at Aspire Academy postgrad in Louisville, Kentucky. This coach has had numerous players signed to play college basketball. Let me introduce our first guest on the Sideline Junkies podcast, Coach Richard Gatewood. Golf clap. <laughs> y'all, need, y'all, y'all need like a, a sound in the background that's like a heck of an entrance right there man yeah i know I'll, what i'll do is like I'll you need in, i'll edit in a crowd like explosion like a tiger was hitting a putt. that or you needed to hit uh do one of the bangs what's what's his name that always calls like when steph curry hits a long shot he's like bang what's his name <laughs> you know what i'm talking about he's a good announcer on NBA. Dude, we'll, get, hey, well i'll see what i can do i'll add that in when i'm editing that would be good so <laughs> So what? Thank what you guys. Dude, what have you been up to? Is it, since you've been quarantined, you haven't been allowed. I mean, aren't allowed to do basketball stuff, right? Well, no. I mean, we're not allowed to, you know, work out. I've just, you know, kind of been. I mean, I'm st- actually still working. Um, you know, at many different things. Not trying to let my wife kill our kids. Um, you know, I actually been working on my craft a little bit. Um, you know, just watching a little bit of film watching a lot of different NBA stuff, which is what I did in the two years that I t- took off. And just, you know me, I'm always getting ideas. Um, yeah. You know, we had a great year this past year. Um, really evolved in, I think, coaching was probably, out of all the years I've ever had, this was by far my funnest year I've had yet. Just the simple fact that we had eight mobile kids that nobody really wanted. Um, we brought them in. They got better. Um, we played on a national schedule and we had a hell of a record. You know, we went 22 yeah. and six and we beat some teams that we were not supposed to beat, you know, like Massanut and military prep. Uh, we beat it. We had a good showing at the IMG beach class. So, but no, man, just been kind of working on my craft, um, you know, coming up with different ideas because I mean, you know, you don't know when this thing's going to end. Recruiting is constant. I mean, I'm on Twitter uh, getting phone calls. I got voicemails today, you know, we were planning on fielding two post-grad teams for next year, um, but you just never know. I mean, I've got enough recruits. i got about 34 to 36 kids right now that we're recruiting or kind of looking at, um, you know, so it's that never stops. And, you know, we did like a virtual – we're trying to do kind of what colleges have been doing, you know, do a virtual tour and just getting on the phones and, and working the phones with kids. You know, um, our, you know, our post-grad's got a lot of momentum, so – you know, we've had we've had a lot of phone calls, which is good, you know, but it's just it's just a, you know, a crazy situation because on in April we were actually gonna have a workout for Kentucky kids. 
and we yeah. were going to invite, you know, we're going to have like 30, 40 kids just from Kentucky come work out um, and see, you know, and see the campus and see what it's about. And, you know, that would give us a good evaluation. But then, you know, a couple of weeks before that, all this hit and that kind of, you know, uh, just made all that go away. But, you know, just been working on my craft, man. Um, been working out hardcore again, um, you know, doing less running, more uh, like calisthenics, kind of CrossFit type stuff. You know, I work out just about every day, uh, coming up with different ideas to push yourself. You know, in yeah. the past, I used to be a big runner, um, which is a hard way to put on any kind of muscle. Uh, and I lost, it was actually my last year at Tilly County, I lost a lot of weight. And I just been reading a lot of stuff. And, you know, I share it with Tori, my wife, and, you know, different, you can run and run and run it. And you know this as well, Matt, but it, it's hard to put on muscle when you're burning that many calories. Yeah. You know, so what I've been trying to do is, is keep a cardio kind of workout, but also when it involves me, you know, which is people are going to think I'm crazy, but I use a cinder block in a lot of my workouts, you know, for instance. So uh, Alec knows, you know, our conditioning program at Taylor County was unreal. So I kind of incorporated that with sprints, you know, so I'll sprint like a hill. Um, I'll have a cinder block at the end of it. And I'll do a burpee, which is what we call man makers, but I'll do it with the cinder block. So not only are you getting that cardio, you know, you're kind of getting that core um, workout while you're getting your cardio in. And I've actually went back to a push-up challenge back in, let's see, it was actually from June to August of last year. And I turned my ankle really bad one morning in a workout. I work out with a group here in town. We haven't been able to work out since then because of all this is going on but it's called f3 it's fellowship faith and fitness basically it's a military calisthenic crossfit type workout and they have them all over louisville and i turned mm -hmm. my ankle really bad at the time but before then i was doing a push-up challenge so i was doing 300 push-ups a day i would do 30 diamond and then 30 regular um and so i've, I've started that up again because it's good on your back you know how it is you know yeah. as you get older your lower back goes away and you know, so I've kind of kind of become a little bit of a health nut during this quarantine also, you know, just kind of reading up on what's really good. You know, I, I have the worst sweet tooth known to man when it comes to cakes, like pies, cookies, ice cream, like that is my kryptonite. So uh, we've come up with some like different recipes on as far as being able to use like some protein powder with some like cookies, oatmeal cookies and uh, I do a lot of milkshakes from uh, Halo Top ice cream. So, just been the protein many, pancakes. Yes, protein pancakes is where it's at, man. Right. You know Shout about that. Shout out to you because you put you put me on those. I eat them all the time. You know it, man. It's <laughs> they, yeah, those things are legit. But no, man. I just you know I'm actually still working. I, I work for a, a multi million dollar landscaping kind of construction business uh, here in Louisville, and so I'm actually you know it's, it's essential. So I'm still working uh, doing that, and you know. When I come home, you know, we do basketball drills. If it's raining, we do ball handling in the kitchen, which you've seen me post videos of with the yeah. boys. And just uh, try to keep them sane at the same time, too, because this is hard on them, too. You know, I mean, yeah. they're used to seeing their friends. And, uh, you know, they miss being around their friends at school. And, you know, you don't know when we're going to go back to this. So, but, mm -hmm. yeah, man, just been working on my craft, uh, just trying to get better X's and O's, finding different motivational stuff. Because uh, this last year was the best year that I got every guy to buy in. Um, and the thing I kept realizing over the year was, you know, I wish I would have done a better job when I was at Taylor County and when I was at Moore when I first got to coaching was, you know, no matter how good of an X and O coach you are, 
if they don't believe in you and they don't buy into it, it's not going to work, you know, yeah. and I can remember certain situations early in my career where, you know, I want to run stuff, but they didn't really believe in it. They believe in some of it, some of it they did. Um, I know, you know, the play baseline, they believe in that. And I yeah. put a new spin on, I put a new spin on that where, you know, we kind of run it out of the chin this year. And, you know, I told the couple of the kids that run it from the slip spot, I was like, listen, you will get two layups a game off of this. And actually the one kid is from, he was at Campbellsville. And now uh, he just signed with a junior college as Tosh Sanders is that he, uh, he slipped it, dude. I mean, he, he bought into it and, you know, we run the back door out of it. But I mean, that's the biggest thing that I learned this year was it was like everything that I drew up, it don't matter what I drew up. They thought I was Phil Jackson or Greg Popovich and it was going to work. <laughs> no, I'm serious. And you know, that was, and that's why they were so fun to coach. I mean, they bought yeah. into it, but you know, the more and more, the two years that I took off, I mean, the, everything that I read. And of course I got to pick the brains of, you know, a lot of college coaches. I got to sit back and watch some basketball too. And it was actually really good for my career because, you know, I know I acted like an ass back in the day. And when you sit back and you evaluate and you watch other coaches and then they're acting how you used to act, you're like, Oh my Lord. And then, you know, you ask your wife, you ask your mom, you ask friends and they're like, Oh yeah, bro. You used to have some meltdowns and you're like, <laughs> Oh gosh. Then, then you, then you feel about this little, you know, so those two years kind of, you know, humbled me in a different way. Um, you know, as far as, you know, like, you know, dude, you know, you could, you could be an even better coach than what you were outside of all the other BS, you know? So, uh, just been, yeah, man, just been working on my craft, working out, um, that kind of thing. All right, Coach, we got a few questions for you. Um, first one I got for you is, what's one thing you wish you had known before you began your coaching career? What? I just went over, man. Um, like I said, you can be the best X and O coach known to man. Um, you know, if they don't believe in you, nothing's going to work, you know, and that's the biggest thing I see. You know, I mean, when we went on those runs to Taylor County, I, you know, they were bought in because we had some kids that, that – that just absolutely played out of their mind outside just Quentin and David, you know, Ezra Oliver, I still brag on him every day that he's the best, one of the best glue kids I've ever coached. You know, then I go back to the team the year before with Brandon Barry and Austin Webster, just two absolute dogs, you know, and Brandon having that great game at the King of Bluegrass. And then, you know, Webby, I mean, that just speaks for itself. You know, he yeah. bought into me early and I mean, just went to war every night, you know, you want to coach those type of kids. So, um, I would say, you know, looking back, I, I did try to master the X and O's part. And, I, you know, I thought I was pretty good at it as far as scouting and anything that had to do with it. It was just, man, if these, you can be the best scout guy, you can be the best X and O. If they don't, they don't buy into you, none of that's going to matter, you know. So that's definitely what I would love to tell myself right before I got into coaching. Yeah. And, you know, you kind of talked about your, you know, your time at Taylor County. And, you know, I was there the first year with you. And, you know, we, we kind of said to before we started this, like, do you ever feel like some of the time that people misunderstood, like they, they, mis, they misunderstood your behavior on the sidelines and they took that as, man, this guy's crazy. And it was really just you were so passionate about everything you were doing. You know, that just came off differently to other people because, you know, Taylor County's not like Louisville. No. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you behave like typical coaches in Louisville behave. 
No, absolutely. I mean, I mean, don't be wrong. I mean, I did act like an ass a couple times, you know, and uh, I look back and I wish I would have never acted like that, you know, mm-hmm. but at the same time, high energy guys is what kids want to play for. And me and you both know that, you know, yeah, they don't want to, they don't want to play for a guy that's just sitting on the sideline, not saying a lot, you know, and, you know, when there's a big charge or a big play or when Quentin Gooden used to have a big dunk, Ezra Oliver used to have a big charge, David Sloan would hit a big three, you know, our bench, like, we let, like, we showed compassion, you know. We, we, we love that type of stuff because coaches love those type of plays. Yep. So I, I agree with you, you know, yeah, because they kind of lived in this bubble, you know. And mm-hmm. I came in and we changed everything, man. Like, they didn't condition the way we conditioned. You yeah. know, they didn't, they didn't have scouting reports the way we had them. You know, I'll never forget the very first game we played, the game you were talking earlier before we started recording, we're playing Washington County, who's supposed to be bad. You know, and I and I have a scout report, and I had to print it off in, in Coach Gum's office. And Burris is in there, walk uh, is in there working, and I walk in there to get it, and he's like, "You got a, a scout report for Wash County? Ain't gonna be much of use tonight." But it was just that total mindset. You know yeah. what I'm saying? I was like, "Dude, has nothing to do with who we're playing. That is, you know, that's my routine. You know, yeah. that's that's where the obsession comes in. I don't care if we're playing a team that's three and twenty or twenty and three we're going to be prepared, you know, and I think changing that whole mindset, you know, and playing an up-tempo style, um, you know, I mean, they never pressed like that before, but we conditioned to play like that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I think they just lived in a bubble. You know, they – you had people that never seen a high-energy guy before. The kids bought into it, played this fun, exciting style, and they bought into it. and. You know, they was just kind of odd of them. Even, you know, I see parents today, it's like, oh, he's yelling. I'm like, yeah, but he's not yelling to yell. It's how, it's how he is. You know, he's high yeah. energy. He's high strung. Like, you want to play for a coach like that. Don't mistake him yelling for degrading because he's not. He's coaching him, you know. And, and, I mean, it goes back to that. Listen to the message, not to how it's being delivered. 100%, dude. 100%. Because, like, when, when you were younger, you I mean, if a coach was young, that's just natural. Coach is naturally yeah. They're loud, they're interject, they yell, but their message isn't always demeaning. It's it's usually like, you know, it's some kind of positivity thing. Not yeah, just- I mean, you look at Coach Hayworth and, and Coach, um, you know, Schuler, and if you never watch basketball and you show up and you watch them, you could be like, you know, why are they always yelling? But like, no, those dudes are high energy. Like, they're high strung. That's why kids want to play for them, you know. So, yeah. absolutely, no. I mean, you, you definitely hit on the head. They, they were in a bubble. Yeah, do and you know, kind of with that, you know, not just that bubble, but like the, you feel like how you might have rubbed the uh, the fifth region the wrong way, because I think we can both we can somewhat both agree, in some way, Quinn Gooden not getting Kentucky Mister Basketball was more about the people in the state disliking you. Do agree with that? Oh, it definitely played a part because I get people today that's like, you know, that never really knew me, but mm-hmm. knew me when I was at Taylor County. And be like, man, he's actually a good dude. Like, yeah. he cares about the kids. Like, you know, he's doing everything he can for them. And, you know, I look back at that. It's like, dude, you robbed a kid, you know, and that's why I said what I said at the state tournament. Like, let's look on his career compared to some of the other kids, you know, who were favorites. You know, I mean yeah. – you know, I mean, Mason's the only one really, you know, 
doing something right now. It's going to probably get drafted or have a chance to play at the next level, you know. Yeah. So, but I think having two players like that in the region didn't help mm-hmm. uh, because then you split votes, you know. But yeah. Kentucky's got it wrong for years, man. I mean, they're so I far agree. behind. It's not even. I'll tell you how far behind they are. So when we were at Taylor County, okay, when David had a U.S. when he got invited to trial for the USA team, mm-hmm. well, was that in the his, last that was the first time. First that was okay. going. To, it was going to his sophomore year. Okay. So this was after the year he played with the St. Louis Eagles. Mm-hmm. So we're flying out to you know we're getting flight tickets and everything ready, and we get an email saying something like, "Oh well, you got to submit. You got to submit this." Blah 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 blah. So we had it was just a bunch of because it was during a time where you couldn't necessarily play in camps, but it's yeah. USA basketball. So there's a bylaw in the KHSA that says that they can do that as long as the profit, you know, paperwork is submitted. So we submit everything and then we just let them know, Hey, we're flying out, blah, 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 blah. He's going for this trout, which is a great opportunity by the way, because I got a story yeah. for you guys while he was there. Okay. And, but you know, I get like, well, denial. And I'm like, no. And the lady who I sent it to is like the main person with KHSA basketball stuff. So we had to print out the bylaw, highlight it. They didn't even know because it rarely happens when kids get to go try out for you, USA in general, you know. Yeah. And we did everything that Chris told us to do that they did with Quentin. Yeah. And I'm like, no, ma'am. It says in your bylaw right here that we're allowed to do this. She was like, oh, my apologies. You know, not even knowing the own rule. And this is your job. You see where I'm coming from? Like, yeah, that's- but – they're so far behind, man, like, in with rules. Like, for instance, we play with a shot clock. We play college rules. Yeah. We play with the arc. We play with college officials a lot of times when we can get them. Yeah. There needs to be a shot clock in high school basketball. I agree. People 1,000%. Because people think that you put a shot clock in basketball, it's bad. And I and here, and here, you're, you're 100% right. I mean, cut you off. But here's, here's the yeah. argument. Oh, well, it's cost efficient. Okay. Make the AD do it. All you're doing is hitting a button, hitting reset, reset, start, stop. You can't sit there at a table and do it. And then I hear, well, putting it in every gym. Okay. I know people at the Young Brands. I know somebody at Derby City Gaming. I know somebody at Churchill Downs. I'm pretty sure there's a local business who's had a lot of success that says, all right, if you put your logo on there, will you put a shot clock in every gym? You think they're going to say no if their logo is in every single gym right next to the shot clock? Because when it's winding down, where's everybody going to look? to the shot clock so you know like Lloyd Gardner got on uh 93.9 the Ville and was like oh zero clue dudes behind the times you know and it bit it actually benefits well-coached teams than bad coach teams that's what people don't realize so if I'm preparing like we did for a team we played Mass and Nutton in the Hargrave Classic our biggest kid Turner was like 6'5 6'6 they had 6'10 6'9 6'7 but we were a matchup nightmare for them because we were kind of small. So Taj, who played at Campbellsville, we kind of exposed them, you know, and we put them in certain situations where they had to guard him out on perimeter and we just played matchups. But what we did was we made them run their stuff and we totally took them out of their stuff and to the point where it got late in the shot clock and it was bad shot, bad shot. Yeah. Now, if you line both of our teams up and you would say we would have won that game by 12, a college coach would have looked at you and been like, you're crazy. Yeah. But 
we scouted them. We completely took them out of what they wanted to do and where they wanted to go. And then late at shot clock, they're panicking and they're throwing up bad shots, which is what would happen with teams that are not that well coached and which what happens with a lot of times we play against them is, you know, either it's, it's a quick bad shot or it's a, all right, we're going to get them down to 10 seconds of shot clock and they're jacking up a bad three, which is what you see in college sometimes or NBA. So, Obviously, I mean, it needs a shot clock bad. They need the little arc because that takes away block charge right from the get-go. You know, yeah. then, you, then you don't get officials getting yelled at because, you know, fifth region has some of the worst officials known to man of all time. <laughs> so if you put that little arc in there, it's easy for them to look underneath the basket and be like, oh, that's a block or a charge, you know. Okay. So, but and I mean, you, you're right because I really feel like the people who say that shot clock's bad, I think are the, like the coaches – I think they're afraid to be exposed is not good. And I'll probably – A thousand percent. I'm sure that somebody will say something to me over this, and I, I honestly don't care because the good coaches that I know want to shot. The ones yeah. that coach the game of basketball. I just think some what? coaches who don't want are the ones who don't want to be exposed. Well, I'm sure you all had it this year. Y'all probably had teams trying to hold the ball. I mean, look yeah. how many teams that we played against that hold the ball against us or played these I, junk defenses that, you know, that – you know, uh, triangle inverted in two or not even guarding somebody outside the three-point line, like these stupid defenses, you know. But at the same time, when we played Paul Dunbar, they held the ball for almost three minutes. I mean, I watched Who wants team. to watch that? There, there's a team – like, once you – okay, you shouldn't be allowed – number one, I would – I don't ever want to see a team make it to a regional tournament and do that, but I did this year. They couldn't – one team went, like, triangle and two, box and one at times. So their defense was, I'm just going to go four corners. Install for two minutes at a time because they could score on it. Yeah. And I mean, Big, Alex if you was get a shot clock, guess what? Oh, get I a shot it. clock, then they have to coach. Yeah. You know, the the, here was the thing that made me mad because neither one of the coaches in that game are bad coaches. Yeah. I just don't think they wanted to make the, or the one who did that wanted to make an adjustment on the fly. Yeah. You know, and the thing with the boxing one and stuff, it's like <laughs> at my le- at our level, the guards are so good. Like, you can't do it. You, can't do it. you got too yeah. many guys that can make shots. You got too many guys that make plays off the ball. So, some of the stuff that I did at Taylor County when I tried it the year I was 22 feet, it didn't work. You know, and I'm watching old film on stuff. And I had a hell of a team down there when I was at 22 feet, but I'm watching stuff and I'm like, dude, this ain't going to work. There's yeah. too many guys that can make plays. There's too many guys that, you know, that can, that can shoot it. You know, so this whole like, junk defense like imagine having to do it against elite talent you know what i'm saying on a every on a daily basis good luck you exactly. know it's hard it's hard to man drill six six seven guys well i was telling a story the other day you know first but 22 feet we played deandre Ayton twice okay number one pick played gary trent jr lottery pick paul struggs they were on the same team you know xavier's probably going to be playing in the league Josh Green was a freshman on DeAndre Ayton's team that year, and I thought he was going to be the best player in the country by the time he was a senior because he was that good and that poised as a freshman. So, I mean, I'm, I'm just those four it. players. Yeah, I mean, just those four players. That's not – I mean, I could go on for, you know, the next minute and a half on who we played that year as far as talent-wise. So, you played so be like – right? Yeah. yeah, I mean, the biggest thing is, is like, you know, I'm watching DeAndre Ayton, and I'm like, he's seven feet. He could step out and shoot it. You know, where's he bad? And then, you know, you watch film and film. It's like, well, his motor's bad. 
it was, it was light switch off and on, you know, and <laughs> we told Mamadou, listen, go at him, go hard, you know, like get his body, be physical with him because I mean, he was a physical specimen there. I mean, he was seven feet to 50, you know, and it's like, you know, we led for most of the game. We were up 17 at one point. They make a run towards the end because we were playing in the Bahamas as it is. So you know they're getting calls. They shot 36 free throws. I think they went 32 of 36, and we shot 14. You know, it was like playing, you know, uh, out-of-state team or out-of-region team playing a fifth-region team or playing in Eastern Kentucky, you know. But at the same time, you know, it's cool to do that because, I mean, dude's playing in the NBA. You know, it's yeah. like, you know, I had to come up with a game plan to take him away, and our guys did it, and they did a great job. It was just like, dude, horses eventually take over. Same thing with when I was at Taylor County. You know, there were some coaches that had some great game plans that try to take something certain ways that we – or certain things away that we did very well. And at the end, horses eventually take over. No other way around it. You can be the best X and O coach, best motivator. At the end of the day, players make plays. You know, yeah. so. All right, Coach. Um, me and Turner both have seen you personally and witnessed your uh, – passion for the game and coaching what uh and being so prepared either if it was a practice a game or just the season in general was there a coach that taught you to be that prepared or was that just something you did on your own I will say this the year I was at Butler and Turner was there with me back in 2010 it was my third year coaching we had a really good team you know were we the best team in the region no but we had a group of guys that love playing with each other. They were great kids and they worked extremely hard. And that year, Iroquois High School was absolutely loaded. They were top five, top seven in the state. They had Donovan Gibbs, uh, Jermaine Jackson, who's one of the best scorers I've seen in the last 15 years. Uh, they had a couple more kids that I'm not, I can't remember off the top of my head. I just remember those two in particular. But, you know, they were really good. Postseason, we upset them in district. And then we met him again in the regional final and upset them. And the reason was Coach Purley at the time gave the scout to me and Coach Gibson and all the rest of the assistant coaches at the time that was there. It was like, listen, I want you guys to learn their plays. I want you to learn all their calls, which is what we had. You know, we had multiple guys scout them, so we had everything that they did. And we're going to run it. You're going to run their zone stuff. They're going to run their man-to-man stuff. And we did. And we did it for that first, that first district championship and we upset them and I mean it's not even close to talent level between two teams we yeah. upset and beat them and then you know we're thinking Airquois is going to change something down the road because you know they could possibly see us again they didn't change nothing at all and our kids were so prepared and you know we dribbled the clock out and won you know and upset a really good team uh really good coaching staff that was air coached in it you know and you know that that right there showed me, all right, being prepared, you know, knowing, knowing what the other team likes to do and doing what they don't like to do. And then when I got to prep, you know, I was able to steal quite a few scouting reports from colleges. And then it just kind of was like a snowball, um, you know, taking certain guys away, you know, kind of like the Bill Belichick, you know, motto, you know, we're going to try to take what they do away best. If we can't, we're going to make an adjustment and then take away the second best thing that they do and really try to expose it, you know, and that's what, you know, that's what we did this past year uh, on times that we prepared. And, you know, that's what I've done, you know, the last two years that I coached prep, um, 
that's what we try to do. So I would say, man, yeah, that, that year 2010 was, that was a fun year too. Uh, had a lot of great kids and we recently um, celebrated yeah. the team because it was 10 years. So I got to see a bunch of those kids. Only kid I don't think was there was Michi because he was probably in bed or somewhere, but no, um, he was, he, he, I think he was either overseas or I thought he was overseas or something. Wasn't he? He yeah. was overseas. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, just the, all the kids that were on that team and, he, and the thing was awesome was, they won that region, and then you're seeing all those kids be successful now, you know, yeah. which was really cool because you knew then they were all great kids. So, but yeah, I would say that year in 2010, you know, because that was key because that was the only way we were going to go to the state tournament that year was if we beat Iroquois. I know Matt knows what I'm talking about. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, that team – and I still – I mean, I remember it players' day sitting in the office after that last regular season game we got beat. I think it was to Manuel. Emmanuel came in, beat us on like senior night, and we're just sitting there. We're like, um, "All right, boys, what do we do?" Like, because yeah. we, we just didn't have an answer. But you know, that was that was one of those groups where the next. Is, I mean, do we have eight seniors? Yeah, I think so. I mean, yep, eight seniors. Yep. We we had eight seniors, and it was just like those. Today's not going to be our last day of mentalities, and we played war. One of the most physical games of war I've ever seen. One, the one on ones, the two on twos, three on three, all the way to five. It was one of the most physical days. And you learned, like, yeah, we're, we're going to be all right. We're going to be all right for the postseason for sure. Yeah. And it was, yeah, yeah absolutely. I would say I was one of the least talented. Like, I was there for four years. I was there from when we freshman until we were yeah. senior. That was the least talented from top to bottom group that we had. And that was the team that went the, far, uh, the furthest out of the ones I coached. I completely agree. Yeah. So, um, so like, you know, you went on to prep school and, you know, you've been two places, you've been 22 foot and you've been at Aspire. What's, you know, we've kind of talked a little bit, but what's the like craziest situation that you've ever been in? At a game or anything with, with either school? Well, when we – well, we were at 22 feet. I mean, that was that was the situation every day. I mean, yeah. from the food to the kids' living situations, you know, you're taking kids in. They're staying with you for a little bit, you know, feeding them. Um, I would say when we went to the Bahamas and play because we go down there and we're playing DeAndre and I'm telling our guys, like, dude, we're going to have to be 30 points better. Like, it's the only way, you know, it's going to happen. And we scouted them. We had a great game plan, had all their sets, all their, you know, as usual. And we end up, we end up going like 17 at like one point in the first half. And then next thing you know, like we're playing and there's like music being blared in the end zone. And like they can't hear me yelling out the like calls. And I'm looking at Dan Hudson, who runs the grind session. I'm like, dude, this is not an NBA game. I'm like, even in college, they don't play music during the game. I'm talking about Turner, not for like five seconds, like, burp, 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 like, none of like, I'm talking about playing like reggae music to the point where you can't hear nothing, can't even hear the whistle. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? Like, and then next thing you know, it goes from we're playing college rules to playing FIBA rules. And <laughs> ball goes up on the rim, DeAndre Ayton just slaps it off of it. And then, you know me, I'm going nuts. I'm like, don't tend it. Like, because we're winning and I'm, you know, everybody wants to win. And they're like, oh no, coach, that's legal. I'm like, in what country? Not where we play. Like, oh, dude, yeah. it was, 
it was an absolute outside of like the basketball it was an absolute shit show i'm just gonna be honest with you like <laughs> dude i mean the music blaring like there's no like there was no trainer like i mean no wrong it's a great experience he's got to go play in the bahamas you know yeah. but same time it was like dude like it was like it was like international basketball meets jackie moon <laughs> <laughs> The way it was ran. Let me just be real honest. You know, you know, there's there's stuff going on in between timeouts. There's people flipping on the I'm like, I have no idea what's going on right now. I thought we were here to play a basketball game. You know, because oh. down there, you know, he, that's where he's from. You know, so so they so what you say is they waited until they were down 17 to then do all this, dude. I'm telling you, dude. It was like we went up. I mean, we were kicking their butt. And Mama Dude was out playing him. Who plays in Cincinnati? Mm-hmm. Who played for me? And it was like out of nowhere. And then here come all the fouls, you know, and I'm like, I'm trying to keep my cool. And then, you know, I'm still hothead then. And I'm yeah. like, you ain't lose my shit. And I'm like, <laughs> Oh my gosh, you know, coach Kerry, God bless his heart, you know, but you know, he wasn't, he didn't do a good job. He wasn't near as good as nobody no, I've had in the past, you listen, know, and, I've, been, I've been down that road whenever you got to try to stop you from going off. It ain't fun. It ain't fun. Get off me. <laughs> okay. That's what I was like, all right. I mean, I guess if you get tossed, you get tossed. Yep, you would have to be coaching. So, so I, I, I told Coach B that one time. We were over in Marion County. I think it was in a district tournament. It might have been region tournament. And you were going off, and he nudged me. He's like, you better get him. So I stood up, and I, like, wrapped around you. He said, get off me. Like, smacked my arm off. And I was like, all right. I sat down. And- I said, I guess if he wants to get tossed, he's getting tossed. It's my show, dude. <laughs> well, the thing about Coach Carey was, man, he was like, and you know John, don't you? Like, yeah. Like, he was making us laugh on the bench while this was going on, which is not good. Like, he's a comedian, <laughs> dude. Like, like me and him could sit down and do a documentary or write a book about that whole just that year. And like, you, I mean. And you know stories, and Alex knows a little bit, but, like, I mean, we could go on and on for, like, I mean, on in on hours. Yeah. And, you know, after when we get beat, we only got beat by, like, we missed the three at the buzzer. Yeah, so we got beat by three. And, you know, we're going to the casino because we got to stay at the Atlantis or close to it. And, you know, he's sitting there joking. He was the best. He was the best coach, though, I will say this, that I've ever had, that after a loss – like he was able to take a sting away because that one absolutely sucked. I'm not going to lie because, you know, yeah. when you're up 17, you know, they're, they were ranked like eighth in the country at that mm-hmm. point. You got them beat, you know, the next thing you know, they're getting momentum, they're getting momentum. And because you've outscouted them, you've outplayed them, you know, our coaching staff, we've outcoached them. You know, he, he was deaf. That one stung and he was, he was the best at getting that sting to go away. There is no doubt about it. So, what happened in Memphis? Oh gosh, that yeah, that was another. Honestly, so, I figured that was going to be the one you talked about. But so once again, you know, the basketball part of it was never bad. So yeah, we're playing Sunrise. So we're playing a two-day event. The first day, we're playing at a local high school, which is like in a nice area. So we played the host team, uh, Tennessee Prep. Played well, mm-hmm. beat them. Great game. The next day, the gym wasn't available, so they had to move the, the event to another venue. Well, I can't remember the name of the, the Division two or Division three school, 
but it was a huge fight that broke out that year at that school. I don't mm-hmm. know if you remember this, but it was like an absolute brawl. They had stopped the game. Both teams had to forfeit. That was at this school in like downtown Memphis. So we're playing Sunrise Christian on a Sunday, like at one o'clock or two o'clock tip off. There's more college coaches than fans in the gym. Like everybody's there because we're playing Sunrise and they're ranked like, I mean, they were up there too, close to top 10 in the country. So we go over our scout, we're playing well, you know, we jump out on them. We end up with like a three or four point lead at halftime. That team was loaded. It had uh, Nefale Dante, who's the starting center at Oregon. He was a freshman. And yeah. we knew then like he was going to be the real deal. Malik Hall, I think is his name at Michigan State. He was the starting wing. Like, dude, they were loaded. And they yeah. were well coached, really good. So we're out playing them. We go in our locker room, which is down underneath. And next thing you know, we walk down there. All of our shit's gone. Phones are stolen. My, my laptop is stolen, which had like 3,000 pictures of our boys from the time they were born until they were young. Videos of their, their birth. Yeah. All the kids' phones were stolen. And we're playing like a top 15 team in the country. We come down to like – all right, guys, we got this, and then our stuff's gone. Talk about, like, a momentum killer. And we go back upstairs, and then, like, the school wasn't much help. The tournament host wasn't much help. It's like like they have no idea. It, it had nothing to do with the computer. It was the fact that I had all those pictures of Cooper and, you know, Harrison yeah. and birth videos. That hurt more than anything. And not to mention, I had about – I don't know, five, six years of nothing but basketball notes that I, like, drew up, plays, different ideas that were on that computer. Like, I'm talking about, dude, there's no telling how much stuff, like, gig-wise that I had on it. You know, stole it at halftime. We're trying to gain our composure. You know, I'm trying to get our owner, who's a hot mess and was an idiot at the time, to, like, take care of that so we can continue to play the game. But then our kids are, like, freaking out because, you know, some of them, all their phones are taken. We have international kids. Yeah. We end up getting beat. They come back, you know, and then afterwards was even worse. You know, it's like they got cameras down in the bottom where the, where the dang locker room was. They're not on. You know, so it was like, dude, it was a total, absolute nightmare. I mean, yeah. far as how the, how the games were. I mean, you know, because you lose all that all those memories. I mean, I mean, I had a lot of hard work that was on that laptop as far as, you know, I had all my scouting reports on there, like PDFs, you know, yeah. I was able to salvage a couple of them through email, but you know, it just, I had a bunch of our Taylor County pictures on there, like different stuff where I saved, you know, from different memories. And yeah, I mean, it was, that one sucked. I mean, that was, that was, that was a terrible situation and a terrible, uh, uh, man, I just, I hope never – I don't wouldn't wish that I'm my worst enemy in coaching. I just wouldn't. Yeah. So, but they end up finding the guy. And <laughs> me and Tori, like, got on Craigslist because we're like, all right, let's think like a criminal. Where would I pawn <laughs> a laptop at? I'm not going to go to a pawn shop because oh. then you can trace who it was. <clears throat> I'm going to go on Craigslist. So, every day we would refresh it, like, 30 times. To, like, see who's got, like, a certain inch laptop for sale and – come to find out they end up finding a dude and somebody let him in the back door or the back door was left open propped open he came right in 
stole a bunch of stuff and he's been in trouble before, but they end up catching him and he dumped, he sold all the phones and then dumped my laptop into a dumpster because he couldn't get it unlocked. So, which is crazy. Did you get your laptop back? No, he dumped it in a, he dumped it in a dumpster. So it's, 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 it's in a landfill somewhere. So, but yeah, I mean, that was, that was a terrible, that was a terrible, uh, situation. There's no doubt about that. So, you know, you've been, you know, to multiple schools now, and do you, at any point along the line of, you know, going to school, leaving school, going to the next school, whatever, do you have any regrets about any of it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yes and no. Um, You know, if I stay at Taylor County, I mean, we build something. You know, of course, we continue to piss people off and, you know, make people mad at you, but, you know, I think it gets built into a powerhouse, which is what it was already was, you know, but then I look at, you know, if I never go to prep school, I thought I was connected at Taylor County with college coaches. When I went to prep school at 22 feet and then this past year, when I say just networking and not sound as cocky, it's just, it's good to know college coaches when you're trying to find your kids somewhere to play. I probably know anywhere in, I'd say the 300, 400 plus coaches from Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three, NAI Junior College, and that's a blessing in so many ways. Because if I didn't go prep, I would have never been on that level, being able to network. You know, I look at it as when my boys get older, when they play. You know, I don't know what level they'll be. They, you know, they would probably want to play college basketball. I'll be able to know people and make a phone call. You know, yeah. and that aspect of it coaching at that level was really cool you know when I was at Taylor County we played against some good players and some good teams like Luke Kennard you know but when you're on a prep level I mean dude you're going to get to the division one kid just about every night you know and to coach on that level it's just different you know I go watch I watch a lot of local high school games and you know I'm not saying the coaching is bad but the talent level you just can't compare it man you know you're you're coaching, you're trying to prepare for a JJ trainer maybe once every other night. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like you're playing against that type of kid, you know, and or a Quentin Gooden or a David Sloan, you know, you're trying to com- you know, prepare for them. And it's just a different type of basketball. Um, so I mean, yeah, I mean, definitely have regrets. I mean, you know, we were in a good situation and we left for what we thought it was and then ended up not being and you know, we moved back and you know, I take a couple of years off and kind of able to sit back and watch and actually learn and try to, you know, work on my craft a little bit. And then this past year, you know, I go to Aspire and we have a great year and we're going to sign all nine kids, which is awesome. Yeah, you know, that's awesome. and that's what it's all about at the end of the day. You know, you know, I was telling them at the beginning of the year, you know, when I watched them, I was like, cause I didn't recruit none of these kids. I recruited one kid to the team because I got the job so late. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is going to be a long year. This is, you know, this is going to be a long year because I'm used to coaching two good point guards. You know, I mean, when I was at Moore, I had Jalen and Jamon Sanford. Dynamic duo. Both point guards, great players. You know, Taylor County, Quentin and David, both point guards. When I was here at 22 feet, I had Daniel Sackey, who right now, who is the starting point guard at Valpo, and then Noah Thomas, who's the starting point guard at Drake. And then David ended up coming on later on. So we basically started three point guards. 
and we went on a run towards that end of the year. And so every year I've had, you know, but as we started working, you know, I was like, you know what, this kid's got a little bit of David in him. This kid's got a little bit of Jamon and Jalen in him. And then we had another one, you know, that was just an unbelievably great athlete, you know. So I was able to play kind of two point guards the whole year, and we had one that ended up quitting uh, for financial reasons. But, you know, we, I mean, we just – we had a great year, a fun year, and I was able to help Louisville kids, which is what I love doing because, you know, this is where I'm from. Uh, it hits home when it's Louisville kids. Yeah. And it was crazy how much support we had at our home games because, I mean, we – I mean, it, that's the other thing that sucks about not coaching in Taylor County was the crowds. Yeah. And I will say that. Like, you don't get those atmospheres in the prep level. Now – what you do get is you play in front of 25 college coaches, you know, or even That's more. The trade-off. That's the trade-off, you know, but you know, it's like, you know, which one would you rather do? Would you rather coach in front of that many coaches and coach elite talent or coach, you know, not as good as talent and play in front of those crowds. I definitely do miss coaching in those crowds though, because, you know, I mean, I was showing some of our players this year, like a film we played Campbellsville even Taj, you know, who played there, I was like, dude, this is when we played Campbellsville. He was like, dude, you can't even move in there. I'm like, dude, I'm telling you. Like, I was telling people, like, y'all, had, y'all have no idea. I was like, it didn't matter who we were playing. Like, yeah. it was – if it was a Tuesday night because there's nothing else to do there, you know, they were there. And, you know, it helped with the team that we had at the time. But, yeah, man, definitely, you know, definitely miss coaching in those atmospheres. There's no doubt about it. Coach, that uh, last year at Taylor County, uh, you had Kyle Scott come in. He did the documentary titled "We Are Taylor County Bas- or Taylor County." Then you had a uh, Jarrett Van Meter come in and wrote the book about us, Covington Catholic and Clay County, and, ta- and was titled uh, "How Sweet It Is." Uh, did you think any time during that year the players or coaching staff anybody got distracted with all that going on? I mean, I had thoughts that they would, um, but. I kept, you know, the biggest thing in terms heard me say this was, and you heard me say it too, was control what you can control. You know, a book's not going to make us win the region and a documentary's not going to make us win the region. You know, I was like, and then the beginning year, they probably don't remember this, but I was like, guess what? You don't work hard and you're not coachable in this documentary or in this book. It's going to make you look bad, you know, and then when you get to college, they're going to be like, why do I recruit this kid? You know, so, I mean, there was thoughts at times that it, that it might have, you know, been a distraction, but, you know, even with the bad start that we had that year I was there, I mean, you know, we were like, I want to say six and four or seven and four starting out, something like that. And then we won our next 20 of like 22 games or something. And it was right after we played North Harden and that kind of like sparked us, Um, you know, but no, I, I never thought there would be really any distractions because I just think that they were really locked in on wanting to go back to back. The thing that I do think they didn't realize was, you know, and I'm not trying to take things away from Cal, but we were everybody's Super Bowl. And when you're the best team and you got two guys who have Division One offers and you're getting all this pub from the Career Journal and your team's not even from Louisville and you're getting all this pub from Lexington Herald, every time you play, you're going to get everybody's best shot. No doubt about it. So, you know, as me as a coach trying to find different ways to motivate our guys, Cal's one of the best I've ever seen or been around and had the pleasure to talk to, you know, why would I not steal that? 
and be like, guys, listen, we're everybody's Super Bowl. We can't take nights off, you know, because somebody is trying to get an offer off of you. It's even worse on the prep level because I was able to flip that this year because we didn't really have a surefire Division One kid from the start. You know, yeah. now we're going to sign all these kids, but I used it on the flip side. Like, dude, we ain't got nothing to lose. This dude's got this offer. This dude's got this offer. Go, ahead, go out here and bust his butt. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, bust him. Go right at him. Go right at him. You know what I'm saying? And actually it translated into our practice because our high school team had some kids who had some big offers, you know, now was our high school team as good gel and chemistry as our post-grad? No, we, in our, in our high school team was super talented and super big. They walked in the gym thinking they looked at our post-grad team. Oh man, we're just gonna, we're going to roll over them every day in practice was the last thing that happened. I mean, we ran them out of the gym every day because our guys took it personal and Bill Self's in the gym, you know, Chris Beard's in the gym, Chris Mack's in the gym, Penny Hardaway's in the gym. I mean, I can keep on going on. We had probably 60 Division One coaches in 20 days in our gym. So they're trying to bust them to get an offer, you know, and they use that. And we just kept that momentum, man, because, you know, when we played against a Massa Nutton or we play against a Hargrave, we're, we ain't got nothing to lose. Those dudes, you know, their post-grad teams are relevant. You know, nobody knows this is our second year having a post-grad team. Nobody really knows. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So they, they definitely took that underdog, you know, aspect and we're, went right at them. And that's why our kids had the success we did. I mean, we played in some big-time events. And, I, you know, I got them some good scout reports. And they took advantage of it, man. It was just awesome because – it, you just see them continue to get better and buying and buying and buying. You know, I could have drew up a tic-tac-toe symbol on the board one time and they would have believed it had worked. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's how bought in they were. You know, that's how fun it was. But, you know, distractions, no, man, I don't, I don't think that – I didn't think it was a big distraction. I thought at times it could have, but I think we, we, we were able to – they were motivated and we were able to keep them locked in to, you know, do something that's never been done in school history and go back to back. Yeah. Aaron, you got anything else for coach? Uh, I mean, do you have, you know, do you have a plan for the future? I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, just trying to continue to work on my craft, you know, um, you know, I tell young coaches all the time, always, you know, like, like Alec, that was a good question. He asked me, or what would you tell yourself? Read a lot. Um, try to be a sponge. Um, you know, I was able to get to know a couple of G League coaches and guys that's coached the NBA, and I just picked their brain, um, different stuff from X's and O's, like spacing to, you know, how do you guard this? You know, because the game changes, you know, and the thing that's crazy is you see these coaches who never really evolve, and they still do the same thing over and over and over again. And at our level, you have to evolve because the talent level is so good. You know, yeah. you can't guard a ball screen. You can't play at the next level. There's no other way around it. You know, you can't guard man to man. You definitely can't play at the next level. You know, and the thing, you know, these recruits send me these videos, and I'm like, all right, you're either pressing the whole time or you're playing zone. I'm like, name me, name me ten colleges that do that the whole game. They're like, uh, Syracuse, uh, West Virginia, and I'm like, okay, that's two. Name me some more. And they, they can't. So I'm like, listen, you have to learn how to guard in a half court, you know. Yeah. And that's why I see a lot of high school coaches 
um, you know, I lost, watched a lot of high school games. It's like, dude, you're setting these kids up for failure because when the college coach is getting them, they're behind because all they know is they either play zone or speed the game up to make it ugly so you can hide how bad they are defensively. Mm-hmm. No other way around it, you know. And that's the thing also, though, if I could go back and tell myself was, you know, be, be a half-court man-to-man specialist because I think this year I grew too because we only gave up like 62 points per game, but we outscored our opponents. It was like something like 75, 76 games what we, what we averaged. And we played colleges, you know, because yeah. – we can't – there's not a lot of preps around here. So, to play a lot of preps, we had to travel on the weekends to get there. So, during the season, we had to play colleges during the week. Well, guess what? We're playing the shot clock, playing college rules. They're playing man-to-man the whole time, basically, and we're playing man-to-man the whole time. And it was kind of a wake-up call for some of our kids, though, because that's all they've done in the past. They played zone or they pressed the whole game. That's something I would definitely go back and tell myself, you know, get better at that aspect of it because, you know – I think you you got to be good at playing both speeds. Now, offensively, don't get me wrong, we still played fast. But, yeah. you know, my rule was the same as it was when it was Taylor County. You know, sit down and guard and rebound, then we can run. If you don't, you know, I'm going to slow it down and I'm going to call a set out that, you know, that we're going to score off of. But um, they, they completely bought into that. And, you know, the biggest thing is spacing. You know, I think a lot of coaches I lost. Gosh, Lee, I think every high school game I watched this year, the spacing was atrocious. I mean, you know – even if you're running dribble drive, Matt, you know this, like spacing is key, you know, um, knowing when to lift, knowing when to drag to the corner, like just simple stuff and, you know, teaching those aspects. I mean, you know, I mean, it, it's went away, you know, and yeah. spacing, I would say offensively spacing is really, really bad in high school. And then the things where I've seen defensively would be, you know, just not knowing how to guard, you know, not knowing rotations, you know, something I learned from picking the brand a couple of NBA guys was different verbiage. So this past year, when you're in help and you're one pass away from the top, say you're doing a four out drill, you would usually yell, help, 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 help. Well, you're not letting that guy know where you're at. So we yell nail when you're at the nail. So we're letting that guy know, Hey, I'm at the nail. If I'm just yelling help, hell, I could be on the sideline yelling help. You don't know where I'm at. You know what I'm saying? So, little stuff like that. And then our low man who, you know, who, who was, you helped the helper, which is most high school said, we call him low man. We would make sure he would scream out low man, low man, low man. So he's letting that guy know, look, I'm here, you know, and when you do that, you completely take a team out of what they want to do. So just like learning little stuff like that, man. I mean, just continue to be a sponge. You know, that's the thing that I want to do is can just continue to always be better as a coach because my oldest is going to be a coach and he's going to be a really good one because we played in the Big Shots National Championship in uh, North Carolina. We got beat in the final, and he was more upset than I was. And the day before, we had a great scout report, played a really good team. They had a lot of Division One kids. And that night, he wrote his own scout report. He did his own scout report. And I posted it on Instagram, and I was like, a nine-year-old just did this. That's better than most high school coaches have been doing it for 15 years. Like if you go on my Instagram and scroll down, like I posted on there, like, dude, it was so detailed to the point where it was like, you know, hot clothes out, be there on the catch or dock, like all that stuff that, you know, that we know. That's, that's that Taylor County right there. 
and he did it on our own players. And here was the thing that's crazy was is it was so accurate. I was like, dude, my mind was blown. And then, yeah. like, Coach Kipnis, who coaches our high school team, and then Coach John, who floats between both teams, they were like, dude, like, he's going to be a hell of a coach when he gets older. You know, so <laughs> seeing stuff like that it was, just was awesome, you know. But, yeah, man, just continue to work on my craft and try to get better and, and work these little boys out, try to, you know, work, we just work on passing and ball handling, man. And we work from 10 feet in and shooting. You know, I don't let them shoot threes, you know, because you get a lot of these kids at a young age, you get bad form. And, uh, you know, when they get to be whatever age, eighth grade, freshman high school, they wonder why it takes 10 years to get their shot off. Is because when they were little, you know, they developed this muscle memory that I'm going to take it from my hip and I'm going to hurl it up there, and it's, it's bad habits, you know. So I try with them at this age, just try to get good habits. And, you know, uh, Harrison's getting good at this little step back that we've been doing, you know. <laughs> he's, he, the thing I keep telling him is because he, he likes James Harden because he's a lefty. And I tell him, I'm like, dude, you get a step back going left and you're a lefty, it's over. Because you know how it is. It's easier to get your body square if you do a step back going right if you're a lefty vice versa for a right-handed driver. So he's doing a step back going left, and I'm talking about boom, boom, boom. And you already know left-handers are hard to guard. I mean, yeah. Luke Kennard, we've seen that up close and personal. So, but, but no, man, they, they, they definitely uh, keep you busy and, you know, definitely want to continue to make it fun for them and, you know, just work on the basics, man. Passing, you know, ball handling, that kind of thing. Coach, uh, real quick, for the common viewer we got, can you tell what post-grad is in prep school? So, basically, post-graduate basketball has, is basically taking over junior college basketball. When you graduate high school, you can still play one year of post-graduate basketball, which is what it is, without losing a year of eligibility. So, what this does is for a kid necessarily who needs a test score, who's struggling ACT, SAT score, and they just need that extra couple points to get over the hump. They get an extra year to work on that and get that test score up. Or you might have a kid that needs to make up one core class. You know, so for instance, you can make up one core class to boost your GPA. Now it might only boost a point, but depending on what your sliding scale is, that point can make a big difference. Mm -hmm. For instance, if you have a learning disability also, you can make up the three core classes. Now, say if you get a kid who has good grades and doesn't necessarily need the help with the test scores, that just needs the exposure and, and you know, play in front of college coaches, which is what we had this year. We had, we had four kids that played for us this year that had 24 ACT or higher, that had 4.0s, that didn't play AAU or played locally that just never got the exposure. Yeah. And this is what they needed. Well, also something they can do, a lot of people don't realize when you do postgraduate basketball, you can take up to six credit hours in college without your, it dipping into your eligibility clock. So our kids this year took three hours in Spalding in the fall, and then they took three hours in Spalding in the spring. They got two electives out of the way that are fully transferable, so when they play next year, they're already ahead of schedule. So that's kind of the benefits of, you know, postgraduate basketball. I'll tell you this way. Aiden Terry played at Bullet Central. Uh, was first team all region the last two years. Very good player, undersized shooter. Played a little bit of AAU, but really didn't play. Was actually going to just go to UK and get his degree. Comes to me, 
gets better from day one. I mean, hard nose, works at it every day, uh, dream to coach. Penny Hardaway is in our gym to watch Jethro Muscadden, who's in up going cancer. Well, that day, Aiden just decided to go crazy. <laughs> I want to say he was 13 of 16 from three. And we just kept picking them apart. Like, and they would help off and Aiden be wide open and he knew spacing. Like some stuff that we worked on. He knew when to slide, when to stay, when his guy helped, when to move. And let me tell you something. I need to find some film and post this. When I say, like, the dude watched Steph Curry and put his own, like, took what Steph Curry does with moving without the ball, he would get into a gap turner and he'd kick. And it was like Steph Curry on steroids. Like, he never stopped moving. And it was, like, it was hilarious to watch because he's playing against our high school team who's these great athletic wings that are 6'6", and they can't guard him because he makes one pass, and what do they do? They ball watch, and then, boom, he's cutting again. So that day he went nuts. And, like, he showed how good of a passer he was. And they were like, you know, what is he going to do? Is he going to play D2? And we were like, yeah, he's got some D2s. He's got some really big-time Division three programs on him because of his size. But I said, he, you know, he's wanting to get maybe in the coaching or uh, administration part of basketball. And they were like, will he walk on? And we're like, absolutely would. So a lot of people know us. We really haven't announced it yet, but we're just because everything that's going on. And he's going to walk on at Memphis next year, which is, like, awesome. unbelievable. Awesome. You know, and so, like, stuff like that is, like, why you do it. You know what I'm yeah. saying? I mean – little 5'10 white kid from Shepherdsville, Kentucky that played at Bullet Central is going to walk on a Memphis. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, that's Tori in the background. Don't hate on Bullet Central. Stand up. But, <laughs> but, you know what I'm saying? Like, that just shows you right there. Like, kid can come in. He can buy in. Play against elite talent and practice every day. Get better. Because, I mean, our kids got better every day because, you know, we made our practice like a college practice. Like, Chris Beard came in to watch Jethro and he gave our staff a huge compliment after practice. He was like, dude, your culture is unreal. Cause you know, we got coach John who was at Eastern work, uh, work, we work. And you know, coach John, right? My guy, man, like, I love him. Like I always remember him like, cause I never really knew coach John, but I always knew him as the work guy. And then you work with him and it's like, dude, this dude will give you the shirt off his back. He is so awesome. Like, I mean, he was like the best to work with, but you know, he's in there, he's yelling work. And, you know, we're, you know, we're not just rolling the ball, you know, we're doing a lot of drills that I used to do at Taylor County, but we vamped them up a lot because, you know, I've took bits and pieces and, and rearranged them. And they're like, dude, your culture is unreal. Your kids compete. You are trying to teach them things. And that was the thing too, when you have that many college coaches in your practice is that you want them to come in and be like, all right, we know these guys are getting coached. We know they're trying to get taught – we're they're trying to teach them how to play man-to-man. You know, they're getting coached up a little bit. And you know me, man. You know you know I love my offensive sets. I had multiple coaches have me send some stuff that we were running that I seen that I put my own emphasis on, like baseline, where we changed it to a chin type of set. And they're like, oh, I need that. I need that set, you know, because we're running it. We're scoring off of it. And then, you know me, we're running it again three plays later. Of course, our high school team's not going to remember what we're running. Of course, and then we score it again. Jeremy's going crazy. He's like, it's the same play. You know what I'm saying? So, but, you know, that aspect of it was, you know, cool because, you know, it's like, dude, like, you're trying to 
coach them up. You know, like we played an IMG, it's the last Aura show. We played an IMG Beach Blast. We're playing Victory Rock Prep, which is in the grind session, which is a really good program. We're playing their national high school team. Fairfield came in to watch one of our kids from Reno, Nevada, who was probably our best player. I mean, he averaged like 26 a game, just a pleasure to coach, was a state champion, long jump, high jump, was going to run track in college, and last second changed his mind, was like, I'm going to play college basketball. And it's actually Gabby Williams' little brother who played at UConn, who plays in the WNBA, who trained with Kobe. So it was in, it's in his blood. It's just he's never really had this exposure. We're playing in front of, like, 25 Division One coaches, man. And, you know, Lauren Jackson's the head coach there, and he does a great job of ugling up the game because he got to be – he got to – he sent a lot of players to Louisville to play. Lou Alding – I mean, not Lou Alding, uh, Dang Adele. His little brother at the time was getting recruited by him. He's uh, – uh, there's a couple – the big African kid that they had uh, after they won it all. I can't remember his name. He played at Victory Rock. So he's had a lot of kids. So he got to get a lot of stuff that Rick does. Plays the matchup, presses back to it. Well, you know me, you know, I've known him. So we know what's coming, even though yeah. we, we got kind of, we didn't really get to prepare for it because it was our next game. So coach is flying to watch our kid play. I put him at a certain spot where we run like four high, but we call it release where we can get it to it earlier. He's hitting him at the elbow. And we're just picking him apart, picking him apart, picking him apart. Matt has, like, 19 and a half. College coaches are walking over the scorebook, taking pictures of it, like, dude, how many does this kid have? Like, I mean, he's playing unbelievable. He ends up with, like, 30, 34 on, like, 13 shots. And because he got to the free throw line, too. Yeah. And we're, there's, like, a time in the game we go up 12, and he goes man-to-man. And I'm like, yes. And we're playing with a shot clock. We run our stuff baseline, bucket. We run this one play called open where it's an Iverson cut bucket and then it's like timeout he's going right back to it and then we go back to what and as a coach me and you both know that like that's what you love doing like that preparation and then you run your stuff and then you're scoring off of it and then we come off and it was just awesome because we had a guy walk up to our team and was like listen I've been doing the scorebook here for this tournament for 20 years and he said dude he's like not to like and I'm not trying to bump up me he's like dude your coaching staff and your head coach is like, you guys were the most prepared team I've ever seen. And the guy could tell it because we didn't have a guy over 6'5". We just played extremely hard those tournaments. And the guy was like, you guys are fun to watch. I love watching you. And you have totally bought in. And at that time, that's when the offers kind of started rolling in and the answers started picking up for some of our kids too because it just takes playing in front of the right coach at the right time. You know how it is at the right moment, you know. And the guy who flew in to watch our kid came up to me. He's like, dude, man, you were playing chess and the other dude was playing checkers. And I was like, well, we had a, we had a cheat sheet because I said we played him three times when I was at 22 feet. So I knew everything he wanted to do. And, of course, I've watched Louisville for years. So that yeah. matchup zone, it's all linked. You know, it's got to make it ugly, try to get you down late in the shot clock, take a bad shot. We just kept taking it apart, getting to the free throw line and, you know, kind of took them out of what they wanted to do. But stuff like that, man, it just – that's where it's hard to go back being a high school coach. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, I could get back into high school coaching and try to go win a state championship. But at the end of the day, is that better than helping a kid get to college? You know, coaching coaching a kid in Louisville that nobody wanted to recruit has zero interest. You're playing on a national level against national talent 
and you're winning and yeah. you're being successful and you're getting better. So that's how, man, I look at it nowadays. It's just, I want to help these kids in any way that I can. You, and you know me, man. Um, that's the way I've been at years. That's when I was at Taylor County, just trying to find different places for kids to play. And um, that's the way I look at it. You know, I mean, I want to help kids at the end of the day. And when you sign nine kids to college to achieve their dream, to me, that's better than winning games as a high school coach or winning a state championship. Yes, you have those memories, but you change that kid's life, you know. So that's the way I look at it. Yeah. All right, Coach, that's all we got today for you. Um, we would like to thank you for coming on to the show today, and we would also like to thank everyone for watching on Facebook and listening on the Anchor app. We will return Friday with Episode 4, but until then, you've been tuned in to the Sideline Junkies podcast. Have a great evening, and thanks for joining. Thanks, thanks guys. See you, buddy. See you.